This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is a wake em up Wednesday edition of BOL Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL with you here on Daybreak three mornings per week. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I'll tell you this much. It's a cold one here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama on this Wednesday morning. It's been a cold week. It's been officially winter here in West Central Alabama. We've had lows today anticipated for the morning time hours in the mid-20s. So everything getting killed off. And we kind of need it. You know, we need those bugs and those type of things uh, beat back before we get to the summer months. And goodness knows uh, they're in full attack mode once we get to uh, pretty much Memorial Day and on. But a lot to get to on this Wednesday edition of BOL Daybreak. Coming up later in the podcast, we'll check in with a BOL alum. Hometown kid made good. Charles Power, if you've been with us for an extended period at BOL, you remember Charles. Charles still hangs around the roundtable from time to time there, the premium message board at BOL. Charles has done a great job for us in the past from a recruiting perspective. Now he serves for 247sports.com as a national analyst. So he tracks a lot of the guys that you become more familiar with later in the process when it comes to the recruiting cycles. Charles gets a front-end look at a lot of these kids very early on. He's able to develop thoughts and evaluations and opinions on just hundreds of different prospects and then continues to analyze their development through their college careers right up until the NFL and the NFL draft. So we'll get some thoughts from Charles Power today on BOL Daybreak. What we'll do today with Charles is look more at the quarterback position, although we're going to take him down memory lane a little bit too with Derrick Henry on the heels of this fantastic run for the 2015 Heisman Trophy winner with the Tennessee Titans in a contract year. For Derrick Henry, uh, Charles going to share some memories of Derrick Henry, the high school player, with us this morning on BOL Daybreak. Now, as for items of particular note here in the last couple of days, well, if you've been with us at BOL and certainly on the roundtable, our reporting, led by Tim Watts, site publisher, has you not surprised that Freddie Roach, a confirmed sighting of Freddie Roach, out on the recruiting trail on Tuesday, confirming what BOL had been reporting for a few days now, and that, of course, being that the former Alabama linebacker and support staffer under Nick Saban was indeed returning to the capstone in an on-the-field capacity. Now, Freddie, as we talked about on Monday's podcast, uh, has spent the last three years over in Oxford, Mississippi as the defensive line coach for the Rebels, and all signs pointing to Freddie Roach replacing Brian Baker 
as the DL coach here in Tuscaloosa. Brian Baker could be headed to an off-the-field role. We'll see how that plays out. UA has not made any type of official announcement in relation to Freddie Roach or any type of staff changes. Nick Saban will be in Mobile later today to address the media down there at the Senior Bowl. So we have Charlie Potter, BOL uh, beat reporter for us. He's down there. He's in the Port City So Charlie will have all of the uh, commentary from Nick Saban later today. Perhaps that'll include mention, at least, of Freddie Roach. Maybe it won't. We'll see. Coming up later today down in Mobile. A big day today as well. Later tonight, Alabama men's basketball up in Nashville taking on Vanderbilt. That's an 8 p.m. tip-off Central Time. That game will air on the SEC Network. Alabama last year swept a pair of games from the Commodores. Well, everybody in the SEC last year swept the Commodores. An 0-18 season, 0-19 if you include a first-round exit in the SEC tournament. Alabama won in Nashville 77-67 a year ago before beating the Commodores a week or so later last February. 68-61 here in Tuscaloosa. Again, Vanderbilt has dropped 22 consecutive regular season games in SEC play, and it goes to 24 losses in a row. If you include the 2018 and 2019 SEC tournaments in that uh, equation, and making matters worse for Jerry Stackhouse in his first season as the head coach at Vanderbilt, sophomore forward Aaron Neesmith, 23 points per game, was leading the SEC. He's out indefinitely with a stress, stress fracture to his foot. Neesmith's injury combined with an injury to another forward, Clavon Brown. Vanderbilt looking at a situation that Alabama can relate to and that it has limited scholarship players right now. And perhaps to a greater extent, to a greater extent than Alabama, Vanderbilt right now looking at eight, I guess it's eight scholarship players. Um, and if you're Alabama, it's it's all all steam ahead because you're looking to put up another 2-0 and week coming off the wins last week over Auburn and Missouri at Coleman Coliseum, need to go on the road against an inferior Vanderbilt team, take care of business, return home this weekend, and then you're going to take on Kansas State in the SEC Big 12 Challenge at Coleman Coliseum. And did you see last night, did you see the brawl, the wild brawl in Lawrence, Kansas? K-State and Kansas last night. Kansas wins the game early, but at at the very end of the game, Uh, After a play under the hoop, you had an altercation that turned into an absolute wild scene uh, at Fog Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas. So here's what we don't know. We don't know a couple of things for this SEC Big 12 Challenge coming up this weekend. First and foremost, right here in Tuscaloosa, have to try to figure out who's going to be available for Bruce Weber's team in the K-State Wildcats uh, after the fisticuffs last night. And also Kansas is hosting Tennessee on Saturday in Lawrence. And watching it real time and kind of in replay, it looked like Kansas may have had more offenders involved in the melee than maybe Kansas State. Kansas State players, at least from what I could tell, you didn't see 
pretty much the entire bench sprint the length of the floor and get involved in the situation. So a lot to sort out following that brawl last night in Lawrence. And uh, we'll have a better idea of exactly who's available uh, for K-State maybe in the next day or so. But yeah, if you're Alabama, a 2-0 and week obviously is there for the taking once again. And then you try to weather two of the next three weeks. Uh, you'll have LSU and Arkansas next week. You'll go to LSU midweek. How about LSU and Florida last night? Did you see that game? Heck of a game in Baton Rouge. LSU loves to make things interesting uh, at the Pete Maravich Center there in Baton Rouge. LSU, by the way, has won 12 straight SEC road games. Uh, you'll have Alabama at LSU coming off that win last night on its home floor to remain undefeated in SEC play so far this season. Uh, another nice win over Florida for LSU. And then Alabama will host Arkansas the weekend after this. Uh, and then you're looking at return games uh, with Auburn and LSU three weeks from now. Uh, that'll be a midweek road trip in three weeks to Auburn. Uh, you'll get LSU at Coleman Coliseum in three Saturdays. So that's kind of where things sit for Alabama. A win on Wednesday night, Alabama would improve to 4-2 and two in the league and in a tie for third place in the Southeastern Conference. And again, Get through these next three weeks, and you're going to get to a three-week home stretch in conference play that is manageable. You're talking about a three-week stretch of six SEC games uh, where you'll have home games with Texas A&M, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Those are winnable games. Uh, And then road games at Ole Miss, who is still yet to win a conference game after being thumped in Knoxville last night. Tough start to year two under Kermit Davis over at Ole Miss. Uh, Road game at Mississippi State and a road game at Missouri. And when you look at those final six regular season games for Nate Oates' team, that's pretty manageable when you look at the breakdown between home and road contests. And right now, Joe Lenardi of ESPN's Bracketology, he has five SEC teams in the NCAA tournament. He has Alabama as a first four option First four out option as it sits right now. We talked a little bit about Nick Saban making his annual appearance down at the Senior Bowl. Well, you had some news on that front related to the Alabama contingent uh, down in Mobile. Uh, Raquan Davis, the defensive lineman, withdrew from the week in the event due to an ankle problem. Makes you wonder if it wasn't that same ankle that he was dealing with down the stretch of the 2019 season. Regardless, that leaves outside linebackers Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis, along with safety Jared Maiden, as the UA reps for this year's game. Now, I guess you could say it's three and a half Alabama players because you're going to have Jalen Hurts, as we know now, in that sort of dual helmet in Saturday's game. Uh, at Lad People's Stadium down there. Uh, Jalen with the number two on one side of that crimson helmet and the OU on the other side of that crimson. Now, it worked out pretty good with the color of the helmet, right? I mean, they're both. You got the crimson and cream of OU and the crimson and white of Alabama. So, a uh, big week for Jalen Hurts down there in terms of trying to uh, prove himself to NFL personnel types uh so there you go that's some of the more newsy stuff we had for for you over the last couple of days again the round table 
BamaOnline.com. You still have some recruiting news of interest perhaps coming up uh, with Freddie Roach joining the staff. How does that impact guys like McKinley Jackson, the defensive lineman from Loosedale, Mississippi, highly coveted by a number of the top programs in college football? Does Freddie Roach help that effort? Does he help put the Crimson Tide over the top in that regard? Well, that's where guys like Tim Watts and Hank South of the BamaOnline.com staff are going to help you stay informed unlike any other recruiting coverage people out there. So again, recruiting coverage certainly we're going to have for you. We'll have Alabama basketball coverage for you and continuing coverage of football as well. Speaking of football, let's get the Charles Power national analyst for 247sports.com gonna go in depth with charles on the quarterback position a little derrick henry we'll throw in there for you as well and we'll do that with charles when bol daybreak on a wednesday returns right here on the built by bama online podcast selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast and there he is charles powered national analyst for us there at 24 7 sports.com as it says right there in charles's twitter bio he watches all of this football have to and when I talk about a guy who watches a lot of football. Uh, there's Charles and there's kind of everyone else. He is a big part of the ratings brain trust that we have there at 247sports.com. So if you go to a player profile at 247sports.com, there's a chance, probably a good chance, that uh, Charles has offered an evaluation there in connection with that prospect. Certainly when you get into the more elite prospects out there and with that we welcome charles power to daybreak what's going on charles uh not much it's uh good good to be on good to be on the old uh the old stomping grounds with dol so uh i'm excited i'm excited to be on glad yeah you i mean bol alum of some note we, <laughs> we love to see them go on to bigger and better things from bol and i think yeah. uh with charles that's certainly been the case uh uh any 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 uh profound memories maybe of the stint there with us at BOL uh or you tried to kind of flush all that maybe no no it's it's all it's funny because it all comes up like watching Derrick Henry uh in in the NFL he had just I went down and saw him kind of in the 
Jacksonville area. There was really a three five-star type prospects that Alabama was recruiting. So I'd always make the drive down there and see, see Derek Henry, um, Demarcus Walker, who ended up signing with Florida state and, and then Laramie Tunsil. So I would kind of do that rotation. I saw Derek Henry play a lot in high school. So seeing him do this stuff in the NFL kind of brings up a lot of that conversations like the, you know, like the Landon Collins commitment with his mom, with the LSU gloves. That was like a memory, but I don't know, just being on the ground floor for all of those guys who ended up being, you know, top players, at Alabama, like Heisman winners. And then first round picks was, I mean, that's, that's hard to hard to forget that. It's kind of been a uh, trip down memory lane for Derek in a couple of different ways, especially in terms of his position fit. When yeah. you were looking at him making that jump from Yulee High School to the SEC at first, it looked like it might be the University of Georgia uh, where, where Derek might be headed. Then it ended up being Alabama. Where did you kind of sit on all that? Did Could you see that translating? I mean, just the historic numbers that he put up on the high school level. Uh, even in a little bit of a way transitioning to, to the sec. Did you, did you have that in mind watching him? Like, I'll be honest. I didn't really know what, I didn't really know what to expect until I, I think everybody can kind of, uh, the, the whole, like you had to see it in person thing can be a little, you know, that can be like a little hindsight, like hindsight is 2020. Like that can be overrated at times, but Derek Henry, Derek Henry in high school was something I think is, is much more appreciated in person um, then, then maybe on, on video, uh, just watching the high school, watching the high school kids try to tackle him was just like, I think I told Chris Hummer for 24 seven sports. It was, it was a mind altering experience. So, uh, it was just in, in seeing, seeing that at field level, I really had no doubts after that going into it. I didn't really know what to expect. Travis, I know you were kind of on the forefront of saying like, if you don't think he's going to play running back Alabama, you just, you don't really know Nick Saban. Like that was kind of where, where they were at. But then. system system's a big part of it, right? Yeah. Charles. I mean, he couldn't have transitioned better into a system perfect for him. And even to what he's done in the NFL. I mean, yeah, you, you saw him at Yuli. I mean, a lot of the runs, the zones and the type of stuff that he is uh, best suited for. That's kind of what he's done at, at all three levels. Right. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing with Derrick Henry is like, you know, he might've not been as, as agile as, as some other running backs with like his, his cuts uh, like, especially before the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think it was, it was big for him to go somewhere and go in a system, like you said, where, where he kind of had a little bit of a runway. Cause once he gets going downhill, like it is, that is tough to stop. So I, I think that's really kind of what he was able to do at Alabama. And then you look at the Titans, um, you know, they, they kind of molded their, their game around him too. So I mean, it's perfect fits. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like, his running style is a little bit reminiscent of drawing back to former sec guys, maybe of like Darren McFadden, but just in a more like durable uh, body. And it's kind of like you get him on the edge and it's just, it's just a load to bring down with with kind of vicious arm. So it's upright and it's loping in a way, not loafing, but kind of just Eddie George, Eric Dickerson a little bit. Yeah, you know, those are the guys. If you really want to go retro, you're right. I would put Darren McFar. Uh, I'd put Darren in that uh, uh, in that mix as well. Uh, absolutely, some good yeah. comps there. But what we really wanted to talk with Charles about on this Wednesday edition of Daybreak here on the Built by Bama Online Podcast was the quarterback position. Not just at Alabama, looking forward with Tua Tagovailoa making the leap to the National Football League, but around the sec and a little bit around college football in general. Uh, Charles, let's start with 
a topic I want to hit you with right here out of the gate. In your opinion, going into spring practice, uh, going into this offseason, which SEC program is home to the best quarterback room right now? That is that is a great question. So I, I'm doing a little background for this. Like I was looking, I was like, man, I was like, I think you can start off by eliminating some schools like Vanderbilt, Arkansas, you know, South Carolina, probably not. Uh, Mississippi state. We don't really know with kind of if Leach is going to get a grad transfer. Um, but yeah. it's, 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 that is a, that is a great question. And I think, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing, um, Tua Tungavailoa, Joe Burrow, Jake Fromm leave the league. Um, you're seeing a lot of coaching turnover. So we have kind of some, you know, some scheme stuff going on. We have, uh, transfers coming into the league. So it's, it's tough. I, I think, you know, the, the, the ones to me, um, kind of, if, if we're kind of putting a fairly, you know, even weight on the starter. And then if you're talking the room, just the, the other options behind the starter, um, you know, you have I mean, like a, a starting off with Alabama, you have a, a lot like Bryce young at Alabama probably had, maybe has more upside than any other quarterback option um, in, in the conference. If he hits, and then you have Mac Jones who has, you know, acquitted himself well in the, I guess maybe three, three or so starts he's had. Um, and then you have Talia Tagovailoa with, with more depth options. Um, so they're, they're one for sure in the mix. I think A&M is kind of interesting. You know, Kellen Mond is kind of a rare, uh, for kind of a fourth year guy, um, coming in, they have Zach Calzada, who is a kind of a big armed, maybe a little more raw, um, passer, but he, you know, he's got, got, got a lot of arm talent. And, and then they're bringing in Haynes King in, in this class, who is going to be, you know, like, like a four star top 100 type of quarterback. Um, so they probably have in terms of just the, the sequencing of their quarterback room, um, you know, a, a good, a good bit of depth there, Florida with Kyle Trask. Um, he's kind of one guy like who kind of came on last year is, is returning. And then, and then Jamie Newman at, at Georgia is going to be an interesting one to kind of see how he fits in. He might be like, if you're talking about like the best, like actual returning quarterback, it just, uh, you know, he's going to have to make the jump from, from playing in the ACC to the SEC and they're going to have a new system at Georgia. But, um, I think of the actual like seasons these guys had in college football, Jamie Newman probably had the best 2018, but man, it's a, you can make a case for like four or five schools and then we don't really know how it's going to look with a lot of these scheme changes. And then you have not only with the guys coming in, but then you have, um, you know, Joe Brady going to the NFL at LSU. So there's a little bit of unknown there, kind of what's going to happen. Is it going to look different at all? So man, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to track that during the spring kind of into fall camp and kind of see how the, see how it shakes out. A couple of things I want your thoughts on to dovetail on all that. The Emory Jones dynamic to go along with Kyle Trask, I guess Mm -hmm. at UF, um, you mentioned Jamie Newman going to UGA. Todd Munkin came in, coming in there as the offensive coordinator. How much stylistically do you think Kirby's going to switch things up with Munkin in there? They're going to get out of the box a little bit more. Been very traditional, I would say, in their approach to offensive football the last couple of years. And then is Tennessee though maybe the most intriguing of them all? With, yeah. with the guys, the different guys that took important snaps for that team, Harrison Bailey coming in there as a highly regarded recruit, Kasim Hill, the transfer from Maryland, mm-hmm. hit me with a, with a, some thoughts on those three, maybe. Yeah. So, so Florida, Florida is interesting because I don't think anybody was really giving Kyle Trask much of a, like going into last year, it was, it was, it was Felipe Franks. They had that, that first 
the win in the first week of the season against Miami. That was just really kind of an ugly game. And then, and then Franks gets hurt and Kyle Trask comes in and it really kind of improves their offense. And then, but Emory Jones is really like, like that's a good point. I, I, I wasn't really thinking about Emory Jones is really kind of your more traditional Dan Mullen quarterback, kind of yeah. similar to guys he had, he's had at you know, at Mississippi state and then his time as a coordinator. Um, so that'd be kind of interesting to see, you know, I, I think they have a pretty good floor with, with, with Kyle Trask. They've shown that they can go out and, and, and win games with him. Um, but yeah, that will be interesting to see kind of if, if they sort of mix Emory Jones in even more than they have um, and to try to kind of add a different that, that different run dimension in their offense. That's, that's really that's, uh, until this. I think Kyle Trask has to be maybe uh, as maybe the most like pass first uh, type of quarterback that Dan Mullins had, at least for to start for that long, um, that much of a season. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Georgia with the Todd Munkin, I I'm this, it's a really interesting hire. Like I've, I've always kind of thought like, yeah, you know, I followed Munkin at, uh, at Oklahoma state. He was there for, I think a year with, with Whedon and Justin Blackman, really probably the best offense. I think they had at Oklahoma state, um, kind of in that, in that run. Um, I guess that was maybe 2013. I want to say maybe 2012, 2013. Um, yeah. they went to the BCS bowl game and they beat, uh, Back they beat, in, they beat it Stanford. Was actually, I think 2011, because oh, 2011. Okay, controversy. Yeah, yeah. Remember with the OSU was right in the middle of that Alabama LSU right. controversy for the rematch that year. They, they, I think they lost, they lost on like a Friday night to Iowa state, Iowa yeah, state on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was really, I think maybe the best offense they had. He took some, he took some of their air raid stuff that they were doing with Holgerson and, and kind of put a little bit of a twist on it. Um, and kind of just spruced it up a little bit. Uh, cause he, he came from an NFL background. Um, and, and then of course he was the head, he was the head coach at Southern Miss for a while. Um, they were really kind of peaking. He, he left Southern Miss like right when I think they made the conference USA title game. Um, and they were really kind of peaking and, and set up to be pretty good for a while. And then he took the coordinator job at, at Tampa and has kind of, you know, been in the NFL the last couple of years. So that's going to be really fun to watch. I, I think his tip, his offenses typically are high volume passing offenses. Uh, even for the, for the NFL, they were considered very like up tempo pass first. So that's going to be like, and Kirby smart has been like, like you said, a, a traditionalist when it comes like they're really kind of Georgia has kind of been the last adopter of that, of kind of, you know, what we would call like maybe like a modern offense, um, pass first, like multiple, multiple. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so really kind of they've, their identity has really been, you know, establishing the run, um, kind of with their, with their offensive line and their running back. So that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting. I I think maybe it might've been a deal where smart kind of saw the writing on the wall saying like, you know, we, for us to get over the hump against these teams with, with Alabama and LSU kind of employing this offense. Now we're going to have to kind of even the playing field a little bit. So I, I think Jamie Newman is a good fit for that offense. Um, he, he ran a lot of spread concepts at Wake Forest. It kind of interesting deal they did with the zone read, some kind of interesting wrinkles they would do there. And he, he actually threw, he threw some really good receivers at Wake Forest too. And I, I thought if he was to come back for Wake Forest, they were probably primed to even to be better next year than they were this year, um, which was probably a pretty good year for Wake anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think they're going to throw it a lot more, um, it just kind of based off, off their talent. They're, they're replacing a lot on the offensive line. Uh, I know that's probably against Kirby's, um, you know, natural instincts maybe, but, um, that's one that's going to be really interesting, um, to watch how it plays out. And then Tennessee, like that was, that was a great point uh, on Tennessee. I, they probably have more options than anybody. Um, Harrison Bailey, I know like, he's going to come in ready to play. 
Uh, so, so that'll be, that'll be fun to watch. You have Garantano coming back, Brian Marrer, and then, and then Kasim Hill. I think they probably have as many starting caliber quarterbacks on their rosters. Anybody else? And that's like, that's kind of a feat. Oh, that's a feat just from the roster building standpoint. We figure like, you know, today the it's, it's, that's probably why we're having trouble parsing who the best quarterback rooms are because everybody bounces around so much. No one's waiting around with kind of the transfer portal and, and just kind of how that's kind of taken the, the forefront with this quarterback discussion. A lot of guys who, you know, they don't start end up starting for the team they sign with now. So, um, it's kind of really like the second school. Uh, if you look at like, you know, your Justin Fields, Baker Mayfields, Kyler Murray's, they're all transfers, Joe Burrow. So, um, so that'll be kind of interesting to see how that whole domino shakes out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, I think Tennessee is, is, is very intriguing and the sec East in general with, with those three teams is going to be kind of fun, fun to watch, um, kind of how, how that pans out. Now, in terms of focus and attention, I think we can agree that, uh, the quarterback room around here, uh, is certainly going to be one, uh, getting, uh, that, that is under the microscope once again with transition at the position with Tua Tonga Vailoa moving on, um, in your position with us there at 247sports.com, you have the advantage of really throughout the recruiting process into their time, uh, in power five football. Uh, seeing a lot of these guys. And I know you've seen a lot of Bryce Young, the early enrollee, the five-star freshman uh, here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, in your opinion, is this going to be a situation similar to Tua, you think, and that people are going to walk away from the spring game on April the 13th here in Tuscaloosa like I did with Tua a couple of three springs ago thinking, you know, I know Jalen Hurts is the SEC Offensive Player of the Year, but that guy's going to be tough to keep off the field. Is that the sense you get with Bryce, especially considering that it isn't a returning starter situation mm-hmm. here in Tuscaloosa? It is pretty much wide open. Um, is, are we headed for that type of situation again, you think? I, I, I think so. Um, I Just from seeing Bryce in, in a lot of different settings, um, you know, seeing him, at the elite 11 finals, seeing him throughout the fall where he had what was probably the the best, uh, senior season of, of any quarterback this year. Um, I think when you just take all things into account and, and then seeing him, you know, most recently at, at the all American bowl in San Antonio, you know, I, I guess I've probably have seen him throw thousands of footballs, uh, Jeez. just looking, looking back at the whole, the whole year. Uh, he, he is as ready to play as you really could get uh, as a high school player. Um, it's like his processing the the game just at the high school level, even at the all star level. When you're putting him on the field with all the fastest athletes, it, it really it moves at, at a snail's pace for him. Um, I don't see I don't see him having a tr- trouble adjusting. I think he has kind of all of the intangibles you want to see with just understanding off understanding offenses, understanding defenses. Um, you know, just a very, but also he's a very loose and natural instinctive player. Kind of like you probably would have seen with Tua. Like there's, I think there's a lot of similarities with their game. Um, the, the, the natural accuracy, um, and, and just ability to handle pressure and, and kind of create when things break down. Um, I, I think he's a very good fit for Alabama's offense. I think having all of those, having those guys, those pieces come back, uh, those guys that, that decided to come back to school, uh, I think helps a lot when you're kind of just, you know, supplementing him now, whether, you know, it, we'll have to see, there's always a little bit of unknown with quarterbacks, uh, but I, I'm fairly confident that he's 
as prepared as anybody to make, to make that adjustment. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know Alabama opens, they open with USC, right? So it'd be kind of interesting to see how they, how they handle that. Um, I, I know Saban's, you know, his, his instinct has kind of been to maybe let, let the, let these guys kind of take the competition into the early season. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see how that plays out, but I would be surprised if we weren't looking up this time next year, talking about, you know, Bryce Young being a, a, a star in college football. I, I don't, I don't think this really hyperbole to, to expect that he's, he's as good of a quarterback um, and as, as ready to play as a quarterback prospect that, that I've seen since I've been doing this. You go to so many of these events, Charles, I know you're set to go to South Florida for a seven on seven event here in the, in the very near future. Um, how, how different is it now compared to a few years back, even in terms of that readiness, because at the end of the day, too, we're talking about a guy in Bryce Young, 5'11", 185 pounds. Just mm-hmm. from a physical perspective, 10 years ago, we'd be throwing red flags left and right with this yeah. kind of guy. But is it But it is that preparedness that, that these guys have these days with the quarterback coaches, with the 7-on-7, seven seven, with the year-around work that kind of negates some of those concerns that certainly we would have had with, uh, in terms of measurables with a guy like Bryce Young this early on in his career. Yeah, I, I think that in like Bryce Young has been on the radar really. I mean, since he got to high school, he was initially at at um, I think it was Cathedral in in Los Angeles, and then transferred to Modern Day. Played in the last two years at Modern Day, so he's playing really high level high school football in, in a complex offense where he airs the ball out. I think he threw 400 passes this year. Um, you know, the 72% completion, he threw 58 touchdowns, only six interceptions. So he's, he's, and he, he was, he was that prolific before he got there. It's not like he's like a, like, it's just a system deal, but just throwing a lot, throwing a lot of passes. I think, um, you know, just, just the way offenses are going, it's, it's, these guys are really kind of more like point guards now, um, you know, just yeah. with the ability to distribute the ball, get it out quick. A lot of it is, you know, you can kind of create throwing lanes and, and Bryce Young is, is he, he's definitely like, he is a, a smaller guy. I think he measured in like at a shade above five ten um, at, at the all American bowl, which is, that's a, that's a very, uh, non vanity measurement. So it'll probably be listed at, at, at five eleven. Um, but, but he is like maybe compared to like a, a, a one like Kyler Murray, a lot of people will compare them physically. Bryce is, is a little, he's longer. He has much longer arms. He has big hands. I think his hands are like the same size as, uh, DJ Uyagalalez despite DJ being six, five. Um, yeah. so he's not, he, he is a, he is short, but he's not like really, um, he, he's got some length to him. And, and so he, I, he really kind of in, from a bill perspective is kind of maybe built like a, like a Johnny Manziel, kind of a big footed, long armed, big handed mm-hmm. guy. Um, and, uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I I'm not, I, that's one thing you always kind of wonder when you, when you see these quarterbacks. Um, but, I'm, I'm not really worried about, about his size. And, um, I think the way the game's going, it's just, you know, yeah, five years ago, there would have been a ton of questions about that with him. But, but now I think it's, it's really kind of a side note. I, I honestly, right now would rather have a guy that can, that has his feet and can move around in the pocket than maybe a guy who's six, five, six, six with a longer throwing motion and that can't, can't evade pressure. And you, and, and, and we know he's listed as a dual threat and that's totally justified because of his athleticism and his ability to move. But then you look at his rushing numbers 
and they don't speak to even mm-hmm. the dual threat that we were used to again, sort of the retro dual threat yeah. that would run for 1,200 yards and throw for 2,600. This guy uses his feet kind of like Kyler Murray too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he can he can make some explosive plays with his legs, but it seems like more often than not, he utilizes that ability to get himself freed up or even his receivers freed up more so in the passing game it looks like charles yeah i i think if, if he has his druthers he'll he'll pass the ball 10 out of 10 times his best rushing game was really they played they played saint francis academy um uh like probably in the first month of the season that's you know uh one of the probably probably from a roster standpoint the most talented high school program in the country this year they had chris braswell the alabama sign he was on there several other you know kind of like highly rated four-star types braswell was probably their top prospect this year but um just like sec big 10 players all over the field the entire defense basically is going power five and bryce young showed he showed his rushing ability that game um but but i think i i think he definitely he's a he's a quarterback who if he had wanted to he could have run for 900 yards if he had wanted to but i think he his his first instinct is is to is to you know run to to scramble around to set up the pass create some destruction you know uh and, and kind of stress yeah yeah, d- yeah stress. D- stress the defense and as, as as long as that's there he would rather he would rather throw it um no doubt so um but but he can run if he wants to and i, th- I think too like he's he's smart he's not he's not trying to take a bunch of hits um and and just in in unless he has to and like i think we we kind of saw him maybe like in some high leverage situations over his career kind of pull out the running when he, when he needed to, it's probably maybe similar to like Trevor Lawrence was a guy who didn't run for a ton of yards in high school either, but, but everybody kind of thought like, Hey, like, you know, if he wants to, we can, and we kind of, he's actually run more in college than high school. So I, I, I can see that being a deal with Bryce, but he's also not going to like, he's smart. He's not going to subject himself to hits if he doesn't have to. Talking with Charles Power, national evaluator, analyst for 247sports.com here on BOL Daybreak on a Wednesday. Uh, Charles, as we move along, wanted to ask you if you had a quarterback in mind for 2020 in college football who might kind of fit the Joe Burrow uh, track or mold, not so much in expecting another guy next year to have the year that Joe Burrow had in 2019, because even with the way the game has evolved, that's still hard for me to envision someone next year backing that up. We'll see who knows. Um, But is there a quarterback out there that in terms of making that big jump from one year to the next uh, that you would sort of point to in college football, having that kind of potential is miles Brennan, even a guy that can go from backup and very limited experience to huge numbers. If he is the next guy up at LSU, uh, you know, Mac Jones could maybe be that kind of guy. Although again, we've already gotten kind of a look at him, but someone in college football that you think might fit that bill next fall. So the, the first guy that comes to mind just nationally, uh, is to me, like maybe I would say Spencer Sanders, at Oklahoma state. Um, they are returning Chuba Hubbard decided to come back. Tylen Wallace, who was you know, probably the best receiver in the, in the big 12, certainly the most productive, um, before he tore his ACL this year, he's coming back. So they're kind of just running, running it back in Stillwater. Um, I think he's one, uh, keeping it in the big 12 Spencer Rattler. I, I think he's going to win the starting job at Oklahoma. He's one. Uh, I think Bryce, I think Bryce young, like if Bryce young hits, we're going to be, I think we could be talking about him as one of the best quarterbacks in college football next year. Um, I going, going into, 
going into the season next year, it's, it's going to be a lot about a lot of all, all the discussion we're going to see is, is, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, those guys. Um, but it is, it, I think it is a, a strong quarterback group, maybe relative. This is kind of the, that if you go back that high school cycle, I think it was the 2018 cycle was one of the better quarter quarterback classes that we, that we've seen. Um, so, so you, you have like your out of that class, Spencer Sanders is in that class. You have, um, you know, Brock Purdy at Iowa state, I, I think is one of the better ones. You know, Alabama kind of recruited him a little bit, flirted with him, um, when, when he was kind of, he was like a late rising, um, prospect in that, in that cycle. So those are guys, I think, you know, sticking in the sec, Jamie Newman is going to be really interesting with, with just how he fits in that offense. I, I think, you know, like I said before, he had probably had of the quarterbacks that are, that had that, that, that played in, in 2019, he's one that, um, you know, probably had the best year of guys that, that are going to be projected sec starters. Um, th- those are probably my main ones. Um, Rattler is going to be really interesting at Oklahoma. I think one thing really, honestly, like the biggest takeaway from the, the LSU Oklahoma beatdown was that, uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, put Rattler in as the backup. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, they didn't take a, a grad transfer this year and, you know, Rattler for most of the year was really kind of the number three. Um, uh, and, and so they kind of, I think they kind of sent a message with, with him putting him in there. Um, they're going to return basically their whole offensive line. Uh, he definitely brings a different dimension a, as a passer than kind of what, what they were doing with, with Jalen hurts. A lot of that was just kind of like, they were basically almost kind of running like an option deal, kind of a spread option deal with him, especially at the end of the year. Um, so I think their offense will look more like a conventional Lincoln Riley offense. Like we were seeing maybe with like with Baker Mayfield. So I think he's one that'll, that'll pop up. Um, and he's a very skilled passer kind of seeing him at the all American bowl two years ago. So he's one that people probably don't know a ton about that. I, I could see kind of being a, a national name for, for sure. And then the sec, I mean, it's like, just, just pick your guy and, and, and roll the dice. Like I, what about oh, Ryan I mean, Helensky? What, what do you see as the ceiling for Ryan Helensky there? And, uh, Mike Bobo coming in yeah. uh, as a quarterbacks OC and that, that could be a lift to him too. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, the Bobo, the Bobo hires, I think, uh, it probably an advantageous one for, for Helensky. I, I think Helensky to me is a, quarterback who is best when he's in structure um he's not super mobile in the pocket and he kind of we saw that kind of manifest itself as the season went on he took a lot of hits um and and one thing one thing with with quarterbacks you know i i think as time goes on this is something that people are going to kind of start to track i think quarterback hits is a really big big deal and i think hits you take in the pocket are really from what kind of in my opinion worse than, than hits you sustain as a runner. Cause you can't really brace yourself. You don't might, might not see it coming. They're coming at, uh, they're coming at all like that at your knees, at your feet, um, you know, from, from your back. So, um, I, I think the thing with Helinski is going to be staying healthy first and foremost. Uh, he kind of had that uh, issue a little bit in high school as well. Um, I, I think he's best in an offense where he can pass where he can, you know, kind of get in a rhythm, get it out quick. Um, kind of maybe like a, you know, a West coast type of deal. Um, and maybe supplement him with a, with a run game. So that's kind of, I think that's what they'll try to do with, with, with Bobo. Um, you know, kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Cause really all the other quarterbacks in South Carolina's roster are 
not as like quote unquote pro style as Helinski. Um, you know, they had to carry on Joyner who came in for the Georgia game and kind of closed that one out. He's really like, he's a really like a really good athlete, like a four or five guy. Um, not, not as polished as a passer. And they're bringing in Luke Doty this year, um, uh, from my, my, my alma mater, uh, Myrtle beach. And, uh, he's kind of a Represent. more, more of a, more of a do it all guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, more of a, he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything, but I think he's at his best when he can run, um, and kind of open, open things up with, with the run also. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out. But I mean, they, they're basically all in on Helinski this year, I think, unless Doty like really mounts a challenge as a true freshman. So, um, you know, kind of interested to see how Holinsky's health is. And I think that's really going to be the main thing with him moving forward is just kind of staying upright. As we get out of here, Charles, got to get your thoughts on the potential offensive impact of Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin jumping oh, yeah. into the SIP at Mississippi state and Ole Miss respectively. Um, will it be a, a huge impact or has the game changed to the point where now a lot of places out here are running variations of air raid and spread. And uh, did, 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 did Leach miss his window in the SEC a little bit? Or do you still think there's an opportunity for this guy, along with Lane, to to do some things that maybe maybe even Dan Mullen didn't accomplish at Mississippi State or, or Hugh Freeze uh, at yeah. Ole Miss? Can they, can, can they reach those kind of ceilings, I guess, is, is what I'm asking about those guys. Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I think it's a the did the, the did Leach miss his window? I think it's a very valid question. So, I, you know, the SEC West, the landscape has completely changed with the West in particular. Um, I, I think when you when you look at kind of what Hugh Freeze was doing with really maybe compared to like the Leach offense or, or kind of the offense that the Lane Kiffin's going to run to Ole Miss really is a lot, a lot simpler, a lot more, uh, you know, uh, rudimentary than, than what those guys are going to do in 2020. But what Hugh Freeze is doing, you know, 2014, uh, kind of 2013 through 2015 at Ole Miss, like that really gave a lot of the sec teams problems. Um, so I, I think that really would have been the ideal window to, to bring a guy in like that and, and to run that kind of offense in the sec west and now the 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 playing field is definitely leveled on on that front there's no doubt um you know with, with alabama doing what they do now with lsu doing what they do um and then one thing too is like uh you know uh lane kiffin brought in jeff levy uh who was at who was at ucf this last year levy runs the the art briles baylor offense and then so sam Pittman comes in to arkansas and he hires kendall briles jeff levy's brother-in-law and they're they're as far as i understand they're basically gonna be running the same offense so it's kind of hard to differentiate differentiate yourself kind of on that front um but uh, you know I, when that offense is clicking it's it's very explosive it's a lot more balance people give it credit for i think they have always rushed very, pretty well out of that offense and then and then leach of course is going to come in and he's going to throw the ball you know, 60 times a game at Mississippi state with, with a roster that really is not built for that right now. Like, I think when you look at their best players on offense, like Kylan Hill is their best player on offense. He's coming back. He's a running back. Their best offensive signee is Joquavius Marks. Um, who is a running back out of Atlanta, who a lot of schools really kind of came in on late, tried to, tried to flip him. Um, he was, I think we have him as like a top 150 prospect, um, and just had a, had a great senior year. Um, so, so that's going to be really interesting, interesting to watch, um, and kind of how that plays out. It's 
like the SEC West is going to look a little bit like the Big 12 did um, at, at the beginning of the decade, I think, um, which is going to make it even more important for those teams. You know, like, like Alabama and LSU are going to probably in, in Auburn also kind of differentiate themselves with, with their play up front. And Alabama, for instance, is like bringing in a really salty front seven class um, and just kind of restocking up there. So I think their defense is going to be, um, you know, more improved. LSU can obviously get after the passer. So I think having complete teams is a big deal. And Leach has proven to, like, I guess maybe play more complimentary football uh, it, 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 at Washington State. Like when they their defense fell apart this year after their defense coordinator quit. But um, uh, you know, the last year when they had Gardner Minshew, they, they had a pretty like they had a pretty good defense when they had when they had Alex Grinch as their deep coordinator. So I think he want I think he understands that that he can't come out and, you know, just give up 50 points and expect to win, especially in the SEC. So it's going to be really fun to watch. I, I kind of think Lane Kiffin is is equipped to have them winning a little earlier. Leashes might be a little bit more of a slow burn. I think he's going to have to get some quarterbacks in there. Those those guys on their roster, I don't think are great fits for, for what he does. Um, but uh, man, I'm going to be I'm going to be tuned in. I'm going to be tuned in to, to the SEC West it's this year. It's going to be fun, way. man. It's going no matter what. We are guaranteed quality entertainment. Like the, 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 egg, the Egg Bowl hasn't let us down the last couple of years, yeah. and I don't see that changing anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Pirate and Freshwater in Mississippi. I mean, it just kind of. Just goes together, it seems like. Hey, Charles, can't thank you enough for joining us here on BOL Daybreak. We've certainly taken up enough of your time. Look forward to doing it again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Travis. Thanks a lot to Charles Power. Thanks to you for listening. For Charles, I'm Travis Ryer. Hoping you have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you again on Daybreak on Friday morning. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.